Welcome back to the program. It seems that every generation seeks to find fault with the adolescent generation coming of age. But as the parents of boomers eschewed the 60s, so today we boomers are all too quick to criticize and disparage the state of millennials. Perhaps if we better understood adolescence, the process that the brain goes through as it remodels itself in like no other period except zero to three, we'd better understand the young adults that are coming of age. And while we're quick to criticize what seems to be the extension of adolescence today, new research shows that the extension of adolescence is in fact the extension of the plasticity of the brain, which allows it to continue to be enhanced and invigorated. Understanding all of this and more has been the work of my guest, Dr. Lawrence Steinberg. He's one of the world's leading experts on adolescence. He's a distinguished university professor and the Laura H. Camel Professor of Psychology at Temple University. He's taught previously at Cornell and UC Irvine and the University of Wisconsin. It is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Lawrence Steinberg here to talk about Age of Opportunity, Lessons from the New Science of Adolescence. Dr. Lawrence Steinberg, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, it's great to have you here. I want to talk first about the disconnect between what the research is beginning to show with respect to adolescence, what we're finding out, and the stereotype of adolescence and how we tend to view them historically and even contemporaneously in in terms of the way they develop, their lack of control, the problems that they deal with and the problems that they often create within families and in the larger society. Well, I think that um, you know an, an interesting exercise is to go to a bookstore and look at what's available for parents and and even teenagers um, on the shelves there, and you'll find a lot of what I call survival guides. Um, that so many of the books written about adolescence actually have the words "survive" or "survival" in the title, and I think that that's the orientation that we have toward mm-hmm. the period. That it's it's so problematic that the best we can hope for is just to kind of endure it and get through it and and survive. And I don't think that that's consistent with what we're learning about adolescence from science, which is that it's a time of tremendous growth and opportunity um, as long as we don't squander it. And and one of the important messages of the book is that new science on the brain shows the brain to be especially malleable, especially plastic is the word that neuroscientists use, um, in response to the environment during adolescence, which means it can be really strengthened and, and we can do a lot of things that help kids develop in positive directions. So I think I think we really need to change the, the entire way we think about this developmental period. Because the second part of that is the way in which this attitude and our response, parental response primarily, to the things that are going on in adolescence creates more problems than it solves, that it self-perpetuates many of the negative aspects of adolescence. There actually are um, several well-done studies that show that parents, um, and for that matter, teachers who approach adolescence with trepidation um, and who think of it as a time when problems are you know, inevitable actually create problems in their relationships with their children and, and their students. So, uh, you know, and, and if, you, if you think about it, if, if you were looking at an experience as something that you just had to get through and, and survive, which is, I think, how lots of parents approach adolescence, um, you're not going to do anything really to try to make that experience better. You can try to hold your breath and get through it. So, so I do think that viewing it as um, uh, an inherently worrisome time does negatively affect the way that we interact with our kids. 
Talk about it in the context of what the research explains, what the research shows about these dual systems that are evolving during this period of plasticity and how understanding that really should reshape how we understand adolescence. So um, when kids go through puberty, uh, the the sex hormones um, that increase in their levels at that point affect the brain in important ways. So they don't just make us more sexual or change our, our bodies or our reproductive systems. They actually affect how the brain works. And one of the most important effects that they have is to increase our experience of pleasure. So they do this by, by increasing activity in the brain of a neurotransmitter called dopamine, which I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of. Dopamine is probably the most important chemical in the brain for, for feeling good. So when we anticipate something pleasurable happening or when something pleasurable actually happens, whether it's food or sex or drugs or praise or money, we get a little dopamine squirt in the brain, and that's what makes us feel good. And there's more activity involving this neurotransmitter in adolescence than in any other point in development. And that's why good things feel even better during adolescence than they do during other periods of life. Um, now, if, if that's how your brain is working at that moment, you're going to be on the lookout for rewards and for pleasurable experiences. And, and you're so invested in trying to find them that you'll do things, even things that are risky or, or dangerous. So that's one brain system that we've been studying, the, the reward system. The other system... Um, is a, a, a self-regulation system. And, and this part of the brain is still immature during the beginning of adolescence. It takes a very long time to reach adult levels of maturity. So it's, it's kind of like starting the engines without a good braking system in, in place. And it, it's therefore no surprise to see that most types of risky behavior reach their peak during adolescence. And this includes a very wide array of things, ranging from crime to self-inflicted injury to experimentation with all kinds of drugs to even drowning. So, and, and, and that is, I think, very interesting to me because there's no good reason to, to think that 15-year-olds would drown more frequently than 5-year-olds or 35-year-olds because 15-year-olds are probably stronger than either of those other age groups. So we suspect that the reason accidental drownings peak during adolescence is that um, you know, kids have bad judgment and make bad decisions about when and where to swim. We seem to have understood for a, for a while what's going on in the prefrontal cortex as you talk about it, but really understanding the social and emotional development is where we seem to be have been behind the curve in understanding this. Yeah, I talk about the three R's of, of brain development during adolescence. Regulation, which is... Um, primarily done by the prefrontal cortex, and that's received the most attention in popular media. Um, but the other two R's are reward, um, which is what I was just talking about, and, and relationship. And the social brain undergoes dramatic change during adolescence, and it makes us much more attentive to social information. By that, I mean other people's facial expressions um, or what other people think of us or what other people expect us to do. So we really are having a, a much better understanding of the neural underpinnings of things like peer influence um, or um, the very strong need during adolescence to feel socially accepted. Um, so al although the brain science hasn't in, some, hasn't in some senses told us 
anything new about how adolescents behave, it's helped us really understand it a lot better. One thing we seem to understand better is the degree to which adolescents are as sensitive as they are to their external environment. Right. So one of the phenomena that um, I discuss in the book is, um, is called by psychologists the reminiscence bump. It turns out that most people recall uh, events and, uh, and, and other people and experiences from adolescence more than from any other period of development. It's a very well-documented phenomenon um, in, uh, in systematic research. And it had been thought for a while that this was because of the nature of things that happened to us during adolescence, because so many momentous things tend to happen then. You know, your first love, your first job, your first beer, maybe the first time you've lived away from your parents. But what research has shown is that even mundane events from adolescence are recalled in more detail than mundane events from other life periods. Um, And it's not just personal events. It's also books and films and music and even news stories that we're exposed to during adolescence are recalled better than those we're exposed to at other times. And we think that this has to do with the exquisite sensitivity of the adolescent brain to experience. We're, We're like sponges at that point in development, taking in the world around us and storing it in 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 almost like 3D high definition format. How does all of this begin to explain the variety, the vast array of differences in the rate at which adolescents mature? Well, a lot of this maturation is driven by um the hormonal changes of puberty. So, you know, we tend to group kids when we think about them by chronological age, but that actually is not a very helpful way of thinking about individual differences during adolescence. Um, And so if if a child matures early, uh, then a lot of the changes in the brain that we've been discussing are going to start early, whereas if a child matures later physically, a lot of those changes are going to be delayed. So that's one source of individual differences. Another really is the environment, because the the prefrontal brain systems that help us engage in advanced thinking like decision making and planning and that also help us control our impulses those brain systems are very sensitive to environmental influence and can be either strengthened or impaired by what happens to us during childhood and adolescence so a lot of the differences between kids and their abilities to control themselves what psychologists call self-regulation um probably are are environmental in nature and due to the impact of experience on prefrontal cortical development. How much of this is uniquely human and what what aspects of this do we see and understand from studying primates or other species? Well, all mammals go through puberty. Um, And so even though they don't have what we might consider to be a cultural adolescence, except for other primates who do, um, we can we can use animal studies to model human adolescence. Most of the work on the brain in other adolescent animals has been done with with rodents, um, and it turns out that a lot of behavior that we think of as uniquely human teenage behavior is seen in other animals as well. We did an experiment in our lab at Temple University in Philadelphia, in which we raised mice in groups of of three from three different litters, and so they kind of grew up in a little peer group. And then we did an experiment where we tested them to see if they would drink more alcohol 
this was a species of mouse that is used to study the effects of alcohol on the brain. So they like to drink. Um, and we tested them either alone or with their buddies with them in the cage to see how much they would drink. And what we found was that during adolescence, mice drink more alcohol when they're with their friends than when they're by themselves. But during adulthood, there's no difference between how much they drink in either of those conditions. We had already shown in our studies of human adolescents that when adolescents are around their friends, they make riskier decisions, even if their friends can't even talk to them, even if we prohibit them from communicating. So there's something about peers and the way peers affect the brain during adolescence that may be hardwired and that is seen in, in other species, even, even species as different from us as mice. One of the ways in which the adolescent brain, and this comes back to this issue of plasticity, the ways in which the adolescent brain is, is remodeling itself. Well, adolescence is, is really the last period in brain development when you see the, um, you, you know, the, the emergence of new brain circuits that link different regions of the brain together um, and where the brain is eliminating brain circuits that aren't necessary anymore. Um, that's, that's a process that we call pruning. And, and when the brain is pruned, it becomes more efficient and more effective. So even though, even though the brain changes in response to experience at all ages, because when we learn something, there has to be some underlying change in the brain or else we couldn't retain that knowledge. Even, even though the brain is plastic at all ages, the way in which it's plastic during adulthood is very different from the way in which it's plastic during adolescence. So during adolescence, you have these wholesale transformations of the brain that are still going on. During adulthood, the kinds of changes that take place in the brain are relatively minor modifications of existing brain circuits. You know, I, I kind of compare it to the difference between remodeling your home and redecorating it, right? So during adolescence, you're actually you know, putting on new rooms and changing the floor plan. Um, during adulthood, you're changing things, but it's more like changing the colors of the curtains and the, and the carpets. But one of the exciting new things that your research shows is the ways in which this window of plasticity of adolescence can be kept open longer and the positive aspects of that. Yeah. Um, it turns out that experience not only gets into the brain at the moment that we have the experience, during certain periods of development, like adolescence, certain kinds of experiences actually prime the brain to be affected by future experiences. Um, and that's a relatively new discovery. So what that means is if we can expose people to those positive learning experiences, mostly challenge and novelty, during adolescence, we can probably keep the brain plastic for a little bit longer. Um, and, and that then I think should lead us to think about what kinds of experiences are we giving our young people when they're in their late teens and early 20s? And can we continue to expose them to the sorts of, of challenges and, and, and novelty that keep the brain plastic for longer? What about this idea that people that are smarter tend to have longer periods of plasticity? Well, this is a, a, a discovery that has um, only recently been published, and it turns out that, um, <clears throat> that the period during which the brain is being remodeled lasts longer for people with higher IQs. Um, and, we, and we see that both in terms of the brain itself, but also in terms of measures of how much intelligence is affected by the environment rather than determined by genes. So people who have higher IQs have their intelligence more affected by the environment during adolescence than people with lower 
uh, cues. And that, again, suggests that keeping the brain plastic um, is a good thing to do if we can expose people during that plastic period to experiences that are, that are challenging and that are new. And, of course, this has a relationship, whether we like it or not, I, I would argue, to socioeconomic conditions and the ability to be exposed to experiences during that period of time. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I have a chapter in the book that's called Winners and Losers, um, and, and it's about how the, the changing nature of adolescence is affecting people from different socioeconomic groups in very different ways. You know, one of the things that's happened uh, is that adolescence has been lengthened. It's taking people much longer to make the transition from uh, adolescence into the conventional roles of adulthood, like full-time employment or settling down or becoming a parent. Um, today's young people are much more likely to be students and single uh, and uh, not yet ready for parenthood when they're in their mid-20s than their parents' generation was at the same age. And what that means is that being able to hang in there and delay gratification and regulate yourself uh, has become much, much more important in modern society. If you think about the educational requirements that uh, are necessary to get a decent paying job now. You really need to get a college degree. It's not enough just to go to college for a couple of years. And what we uh, uh, call a four-year degree, uh, you know, it takes on average six years now. So individuals have to be able to stick it out in school until their mid-20s in order to get a decent paying job. And not everybody can do that. And so what, what we see is that kids who grow up in more affluent families um, have more experiences along the way that help them develop the kinds of neurobiological capacities and strengths, as well as psychological strengths, that let them stick it out. And, and, and uh, it worries me to think that, that the changing nature of adolescence is probably contributing to income inequality and probably making the gap between the haves and the have-nots even larger. It's really a kind of self-reinforcing cycle that we're seeing go on. Exactly, because um, if you come into the world, as many kids from poor families do, with compromised prefrontal development because of poor prenatal nutrition, um, and, and if you, the experiences you have growing up are ones that are more likely to impair than to help the prefrontal cortex. So being exposed to things like trauma and, and stress and poverty, all are bad for your brain, as, as I think it's probably obvious to most people. But if that's what's happening to you as you're growing up, you are missing out on the development of the very skills and capabilities that are so important for success in today's society. And so you're more likely to drop out of school. You're more likely to develop a substance abuse problem. You're more likely to get into trouble with the law. You're more likely to get pregnant long before you're married. All of these things bode very poorly for your future success. And, and this then just compounds the problems that have already accumulated. How do we define the end of adolescence? I think most of us think of adolescence as ending when people make the transition into the roles of adulthood. So in our society, that would mean um, finishing your education and entering the labor force, um, settling down in either marriage or something that looks like marriage, um, becoming a parent and becoming economically independent from your own parents. And all of that is taking longer nowadays than it did in previous generations. But is there a physical and or neurological basis 
upon which we can make that definition? I think we can probably say that the end of adolescence is marked by the end of the brain's capacity to remodel itself in response to experience. Now, we're not yet there in terms of, in terms of a simple measure of brain plasticity. It's very difficult to measure in humans, partly because different parts of the brain um, are, are, are plastic in different ways, and, and the, the chemical markers of plasticity are different in different brain systems. So we can't yet look at a brain and say, oh, this brain is still plastic. Um, but we can see how much the brain is continuing to change. And, and what research that uses brain imaging to study brain activity has shown is that somewhere between you know, the, the early and mid-20s, the brain stops maturing um, at the rate that it had been maturing all along. So I think that that's probably a better marker of the end of adolescence than some arbitrarily chosen chronological age. Dr. Lawrence Steinberg, the book is Age of Opportunity, Lessons from the New Science of Adolescence. Dr. Steinberg, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back. 